Welcome, listeners, to Art Matters, the podcast for artists. I'm Isaac Wexler Mann. I've been a working artist for 10 years and a full-time artist for five. I'm the host of Art Matters. This is a Q&A podcast. Each episode, I'll be joined by a fellow artist, and together we'll share our techniques, career advice, and personal experiences as we answer questions submitted by artists all over the country. If you have an art question you want answered, write in to artmatterspodcast at gmail.com. We've got a lot to discuss today, so let's get into it. Art Matters. It's a podcast about art. A podcast about art. Everybody's got a few questions. We've got a few answers. It's a podcast about art. Today, we're joined by Tom Levy. Tom's practice is multidisciplinary, but his focus is painting. He's British, but he lives and works in New York. His most recent New York shows include a solo at Proto Gomez and a group show at Men Gallery. Hello, Tom. Tom, are you there? Hi. I'm here. Hi. Uh, Hi. Good to have you. Good to see you. Good to see you, Isaac. Thank you for joining me on what I think will be episode two of the Art Matters podcast. Uh, We got a bunch more questions to answer. So thanks for joining me. And uh, I think off we go. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting. (laughs) All right. So we got the first question here. Um, It goes, why don't more artists talk about their technique? Why don't more artists talk about their techniques. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if maybe we can look at the question a little bit too. I mean, do you agree with the question? Do you think techniques are something that aren't as discussed? I definitely do agree. I think it's a, yeah, no, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I personally, I, 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 I can't, attest to what's in other people's minds or other artists' minds, but I know that I've definitely felt um, hesitant to ask. Hmm. And when I have asked, um, um, uh, every now and then, um, it's uh, very open. This is what I do, ABC. Um, Other times it's ambiguous and other times uh, it's, there's, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, that's more rare. But I know that if someone asks about my technique, I mean, it, it largely it's depending on who. If you're asking me, then I'm pretty well extreme open and explain everything A, A to B. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely felt, and this is, I think, very uh, sort of, um maybe immature but if uh if someone in a show if i'm if i'm having a show and Mm -hmm. someone is asking me about technique in the show i'll feel very hesitant and i think that it's maybe i mean environment depends uh on that but also so if clearly if i'm having my show and someone asks how did i do that i'm going to be a bit like okay you know this is the show um, so I, I just wrote down, um, these thing, these three points when I read that question, um, which I think 
attests to that. Magicians' tricks, inventors' patents, and a businessman or an entrepreneur's secrets. Hmm. And I figured those three things kind of, you're creating an illusion essentially with your painting. And so really revealing the secrets to it is, is you know, if, if a magician is telling you his, how he did the trick, what does, what's that doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, or, and we're also a business, a business is, you know, not to shy away from that. Um, so this is my business secret or, you know, I don't want to share this so much because it could be, you know, taken or devalued or whatever. Same with the, uh, maybe an inventor, you know, um, uh, at the same time, as I said, if it's you or somebody else that I know and love, then I'm very happy to share and share with the intention of improving maybe upon what I'm doing and helping others along the way, you know, let me ask you, uh, to go back to an earlier point, why specifically during a show would you be less open to talk about the technique, um, less than say if someone was in your studio or, or, um, otherwise. I mean, partly because, um, uh, it's the show. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's like going to the cinema and, and pausing the screen and, and just going upstairs and being like, what, how's this working? You know, or, or, calling the actor and being like, what were you thinking? You know, um, I see. So it kinda, um, again, it's about that magic that, um, something like that mm-hmm. bar the, the technicalities of having a, a million 10 second conversations with uh, so many different people in the show. I understand. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's certainly a bit of, I think I'm, I'm a bit self-conscious sometimes as well to reveal, how I might have painted something. And if, for example, I use a projector mm. and sometimes um, that can be seen as a cop out, you know, that there's, where's the magic? There's no magic because I'm not just going from life as I'm, I'm projecting and I'm transcribing what's on the, the projector, you know, using that as my tool. Sure. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, there are still so many of these like tropes or, um, you know, it's funny. I had a question I don't think we're going to get to, but it's about like taboos in art. And I still think it's hilarious that things like projectors, Photoshop, basically new technologies are. And I do think I, I think it's less than it used to be. Um, but I but I understand that uh, sentiment. I, I, I'm a purist, I'd say. And I don't I think there's value in that. But I think it's uh is naive at the same time. And, and so, you know, when I, I, I'll just never forget the feeling of when I was about, I don't know, 15 or 18 years old. And I went to see my first Jeff Koons show and I was just absolutely blown away by these mm-hmm. paintings, incredible craftsmanship. And then you later learn that he didn't touch them. You know, they're painted by this, his army of, uh, of, of workers. And that's, how, that's it's fine. You know, it's kind of fine, but I just felt so robbed at that. And, it, and it's never left me. And even now, the you know, the in my, within the job I have, it, it, there's an army of people making the work. And, of course, 
the artist has the original idea that maybe that's what counts. But um, I just, yeah, I don't know. It feels, uh, as I said, I'm a purist. So I guess I don't know what you think about that. If, if it's because uh, you make all your own work, I make all my own work and what, um, uh, what tools you can use to help create what you want to create. And if that tool happens to be, you know, another person, which is the case with a lot of artists, but it has been throughout art history in the Renaissance, you know, in Titian's studio, for example, of he had many assistants who would paint his paintings for him and he would just paint the finishing touches. Um, what, what is that? Is it, why, why do I have a problem with that? And why do I think others would? Well, I know others do. And so is it the... Uh, the purist in me that's like you're you're supposed to be this sort of uh mythical figure the artist in this studio who never comes out in the light of day you know um yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack there that the two kind of fit together so that so there are two questions on the table now one is still about technique and then the other is about whether it's your hand creating the art and I think that there's a funny overlap when you talk about that mythical um, art maker. You know, if you think about someone like Mark Rothko, who uh, actively um, avoided conversation about technique, you know, he was this guy. He made it all and his technique was his own. His process was his own. Like people are still... Some people think they've figured out how he made those paintings. I disagree. I think that there's still something that in the materials that is lost to time. Yeah. But for me, so again, I see an overlap there. But for me, it's, I think you and I feel oppositely about this. Going back to the technique question, I my experience with art school from the beginning was uh, an atmosphere where no one discussed the proper making of paintings. No one discussed the proper making of much. I thought printmaking was, um, was this breath of fresh air because we would talk about printmaking. We would talk about the metal and the acids and the chemistry and it, like we talked but for years, art school was just this place where we talked about art, but we didn't talk how we made it. And uh, I understand why, but I think what it left me with was a yearning to discuss art making with people. And I agree, it's easier to do that with friends, you know, um, having you in my studio and... Yeah being able to really shed some light on the mediums, the glazes, the backwards type of painting that sometimes happens with, um, with my work. Um, but even beyond that, I think it's, I understand feeling a little vulnerable about your technique, you know, um, uh, and saying that a little bit of magic is lost when you, when you show your cards, when, you know, the magician uh, reveals his tricks. 
Yeah. But for me, um, that's the, those are the questions I actually love to answer when I have someone in my studio or at a show. Um, I think so often we fall back on elevator pitches or artist statements yeah. And what I love talking about much more than that, much more about than the the themes that inspire the work. I mean, honestly, sometimes it's the themes that I feel more vulnerable about. Those are the things that I don't see why I have to share with everybody, why we have to have our reasons for making the work on a piece of paper in front of our show for everyone to read. That's the stuff that I it's not that it reveals the magic of the uh, work or like it shows, shows the trick. It's that it's, I don't know, like it, it, it concretizes it in a way that, Oh, now I'm looking at this. Like, it's like people know exactly what they're looking at after reading an artist statement. But if what you give them is, let me tell you how I made this. Like, let me tell you about the way that I built this from an empty canvas. Like, um, let's talk about the materials. Let's, for me, that's like, um, that's a joyful conversation because it's, <laughs> it's probably just what I've been after for years of making art, learning how to make art. I guess it, I, th I think it goes, it can go both ways and it, I think it, obviously it depends on your schooling and who you are. And mm -hmm. I think I was, I think I've been a bit scarred probably by, as you've been probably scarred by your, or not scarred, but built up by your upbringing and your education. And obviously that moment with the Jeff Koons show. And I remember being at Goldsmiths and it was almost anti-craftsmanship almost mm -hmm. there at Goldsmiths. And, and that was shocking to me, um, and yet it obviously affected me. And but I think um, revealing it, sometimes if you reveal the ideas or the concept, it can it can um, it, you know it's like telling someone the story before you've read the book, but it can give context which so then ah oh, oh, okay i see now now i understand why there's this mm -hmm. uh dinosaur in the painting now because of the artist's uh childhood experience or whatever or um or um and then even that can feed to the, the technique lend itself to the technique so this is painted childlike because he used to love uh dinosaurs when he was a kid who you know it kind of makes sense and yes at the same time it definitely say so, okay well i was originally thinking about jurassic park and my granddad who was a paleontologist so that's out of the window but i get that now that i preferred thinking about my granddad you know <laughs> right uh so um yeah but yeah i don't know I, I suppose it can go both ways um so um but i i but hearing you talk about that has it's inspired me to be more open about talking about my my technique with people and, and i think braver is i think bravery is to be more brave and to just uh own it a bit you know like yes i use a projector sometimes sure you know yeah yeah i, I mean uh uh 
one of my favorite quotes is if it was David Hockney. Um, the the uh, talking about the camera and the camera obscura, and then now the iPad with him. Mm-hmm. It, plus uh, his research in optics, and he said uh, the the his favorite artists or the best artists in history have always embraced technology. And I think that that's a, a something to go by for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think that's a good point. If Hockney's okay with it, then we should all be okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me um, let me jump to uh, a question a little bit further down the list because I think it uh, there's a bit of a segue here for okay. what we've discussed. Um, should I give discounts on my art? When and how much? So, mm-hmm. just a business question, but I'll. I'm going to start and I'm going to explain that my love for art talking, for explaining, for elucidating how I make paintings, it vanishes in a second when whoever it is starts asking about not even discounts. It's not even discounts. It's money. Like, uh, I don't want to seem like some, uh, you know, naive uh, type. <laughs> mm. I know it's important, but I get, and so this is why I'm I'm happy you're going to answer this question too. It's when we start talking about discounts and pricing of work, and we make that leap into from pure maker, you know, from inventor, whatever it is, into the realm of salesmen. Um, I I don't know. I get actively, it's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's, It's probably a little bit of discomfort, but it's a whole bunch of disinterest. And I've never been good at this. And therefore... Um, I do have a few examples I can bring up, but let's move to you for your answer about should I give discounts on my art? When and how much do you give discounts, Tom? Uh, I give mates rates to mates my rates. mates. Yeah. Got um, it. I'll do that happily. Um, but if it's, uh, but otherwise, um, I would say no, I try not to, if I can. Um, and I, and, and I think that you said, did you say discomfort or uncomfortable, but I, I've written I that down as well. I wrote that same word down in my notes when I was reading the questions earlier and, um, I, I and I, I don't know why exactly, but it does make me feel shy suddenly when someone and, and uncomfortable is kind of, you know, it, a paint a piece of art or a painting and it, it, it's it's quite a personal thing to even price it is is hard to even talk about the the the, the sale or the business side of it is hard it's taken me years to feel comfortable with that mm-hmm. um and I still don't feel fully comfortable with it so the, so yeah I don't know and, and and I think I don't know if this is naive but um, 
you wouldn't you know you wouldn't go into a furniture store of, of a high-end furniture store who's someone who's crafting tables and chairs and ask for a discount you know because you wanted to buy something that 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 wouldn't happen or any store for that matter um sure uh, but it's part of the industry i mean I, I think this is so my next question about this would be um I don't think that this is a new technology per se, but if we go back to Hockney's quote, um, embracing the new. I mean, art now is very different from art in the 1950s, like diametrically opposed. Okay, so whereas they did not have to be salesmen, uh, they were Mm -hmm. the opposite. I think that... um, We are tasked with doing more now, whether we like to or not, and whether we actually end up participating or not. It is this, I mean, we both know artists who they know how to sell, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's part of it for them. Like they know, they know what they're doing. Um, So maybe you and I are in the same boat about it and being uncomfortable with it. But I do wonder, is that our shortcoming like do we gain anything by um by lacking that fundamental business savvy um like does it actually hurt your art to know how to sell it properly and therefore and discounts work into it for me because yeah you don't necessarily ask for a discount on a on a fancy couch but you do in the art world now you know the 15 percent at Art galleries, uh, depending on the collector, that's that's a thing. So it's like, um, yeah, how accepting are we of the new paradigm, which is just artists are makers and businessmen, discounts and pricing is just built in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, it, it really depends on who you want to be as an artist, I guess, I mean, mm-hmm. do you want to, does it, do you want this to be your hobby uh, alongside your job or do you want to get paid to do what you love? And I want to get paid to do what I love. So I'm trying my best to learn to see it as a business. Cause I, I know, I hope that I'll, I, I have people in my life already who buy it and sell it and, buy my work and sell my work for me and I happily offer them a commission and um I think there's two ways you have to we live in fucking it's 2022 like the cap the the peak of capitalism you know it's 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 of course like I I dream of the time in which I don't have to worry about any of the business at all because I can't stand it but um and I just want to paint and that's it. But in the beginning, it's, uh, as I said, yeah, it's hard to, to, it's been hard for me to contemplate and get over that. But at the end of the day, yeah, I want to get paid to do what I love. So this is what I have to do. Um, and, and yes, it hurts. And, and I feel uncomfortable and shy and weird about giving a discount every now and then I have done it in the past. And, and honestly, when I've done it, it, you know, fine, you get over it. You know, it's, it's what was 10% off or 5% off to this person. 
the, to me is the long run it doesn't matter what the most important thing is is that my work's out there now um mm-hmm. and right. being shared with somebody and uh not taking up space in my studio <laughs> <laughs> both excellent things yeah right um and of course now i can pay the rent for a month or two right uh, and that all that helps and um so yeah uh I, so, I still say no if i can but uh i guess um i mean it's yeah it feels cheeky and weird but it can't hurt i suppose gotcha all right jumping around again um how important is a branded product to you and i will pull that out a little further and by branded i think you could also say style um something that makes it uh a tom levy painting versus an isaac wexler man i have a little bit of an anecdote about this and it kind of goes back to what you were saying uh to answer the last question which is we are in this to make a living i remember perfectly uh i won't say where Maybe I should say where. So I was in the audience uh, listening to a panel discussion with uh, one professional artist, one distinguished art professor, and um, I think the third guy was a critic um, who was kind of facilitating the conversation. And I think I remember where this was. But yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, so I asked a question near the end because I found in their conversation a a lack of exploration of financial security for artists. You know, they they really seem to be, uh, hopefully not unfairly, completely out of touch with what it's like to be an emerging artist right now. Mm. So I asked them a question about branding about style what do you what do you do i think i said when you want to make a move in your art that will no longer distinguish you you know Mm. as the creator of your art the isaac wexler man painting type what do you do Mm. when you want to move away from that uh and risk losing your collectors losing your gallery if you're lucky enough to have them losing interest and their response could not have been more out of touch. Their response was, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, buddy! Are you at? Are you doing? Are you making art for money? Whoa, whoa, whoa! You you really got to rethink things here." Like it was so. It wasn't even a response. It wasn't even wrong what they said. It was just like absurd. I mean. I've done everything. I've, uh, you know, there was a period in my life when no money was coming from art, like zero. And therefore, all of my financial security came from part-time jobs, serving, bartending, whatever it was, art handling. Um, it Now it's, I don't know, their inability to see that the role of artists has shifted. And like we were saying before, being aware of this, being aware of the shift, knowing that when we go off script, if we have something established and we move away from that, 
to pursue artistic achievement, you know, to, to take the next step for progress, we, we risk, we risk. And anyway, so I, long story short, I just realized that, uh, in that moment that advice from the last generation is not going to help us one fuck bit, (laughs) you know, because they just, they had a different experience than we do. And we have to contend with things like branding and being in charge of our own art progress, you know? So a uh, long answer for me. Any response to that on your end, if you remember the question? <laughs> I mean, how, how did you, when you started painting, your, your, your tech, your style or technique is very specific and i think it's your paintings fit into um a very uh what's the word prominent or current um style of paintings that i agree Mm -hmm. that's in the world uh right now right when and you didn't always paint like that although i can see a natural progression in your work that's from right. before school but how did that happen for you it's not like or, or was it maybe it was did you wake up one morning and think I, I, that's how i should paint because i think it's going to be more profitable or more not profitable but or, yeah profitable oh plus um it's going to be in the current conversation you know i can have a conversation with these artists via the work I'm like, you know, uh, Gustin or Inca Essenhai, uh, Danica Lundy, our friend, um, this, uh, um, stylistic, uh, movement that's, that's been happening probably for the last 20 years or so, I'd say sure. in London and in New York, um, was it ever a conscious decision? Was it, obviously it was subconscious. Um, Um, Yeah, it's a, it's a good question uh, because I actively agree with you, you know, the wave of figurative painting more than that, the wave of quasi sexual to overtly sexual figurative painting. I mean, it's, it's not new, right? mm -hmm. Um, And it's been interesting. I have had to contend with it. I got to figurative painting almost by accident. I mean, you and I both went to a school that prized it. But I wouldn't say I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to give them what they want. Like, um, I had primarily been, I mean, at the time I was doing some abstract painting, but prior to that, it had been representational without the presence of the figure. And when I found it, it was an organic discovery that allowed me to deal with something in my life that was that I needed to work through, you know, and I couldn't for me right then, I couldn't work through it with an abstract painting or with funny little objects, you know, my past uh, Mm -hmm. works. I needed to be more uh, transparent about it. And I needed Mm -hmm. to jump into figurative painting, uh, to explore this idea but almost 
immediately. Like I'd say the after the first or second of those figurative paintings were done, I did have to contend with the um with the world that these paintings were being made in. Mm. You know, I mean, if you remember uh the work actually had a fairly political uh a slant mm. to it. I mean, agenda yeah. you could say. Um intentionally on my part. And it, literally the second or third painting, someone made mention, uh, they were looking at this new painting and they said, this is, what was it? It was something that made me so deeply uncomfortable. This is really a, a painting for right now. Like galleries are going to eat this up, <laughs> mm. you know, something, something along those lines, which it's not that I think I should have been going against the grain or that uh, you need to um, see and ignore trends in every, you know, I'm not saying that. uh, All I'm saying is that I look at art making long term, as I think you do. Mm -hmm. Um, So. For the last couple of years, while I've been investigating painting, figurative painting, in ways that fit into this wave that's been happening, it's important to know your context, to know what you're existing within, but to feel limited by it or to avoid it purely because you're in the center of some sort of current zeitgeist. I think that's also the wrong way to look at it. I mean, I'm sitting here now after three years of figurative painting, uh, believing I'm not going back to figurative painting. Like I've taken a step away from it now. Mm-hmm. And, and that feels very honest and very organic. Like I mind what I needed to out of figurative painting to help explore, um, or to help prepare for what happens next. And it was an interesting time period. I I, I don't think that um, it's either bad or good. Maybe uh, mm. you have more... Hmm, no, what I... How I'd finish this is just to say... Um, Art careers are long, and and branding helps. A style helps, uh, whether that's in the wave or outside of the wave. It's good to have kind of a type of work that people can associate with you. It's all good. The moment it stops being good is the moment that you don't want to take that next step. That's the, mm-hmm. that's all I can say about it. If you feel too locked into a type of work you're making to move when it's time to move, then I think you're just part of this artist stagnation. Um, and this is one guy's perspective, but but it's no good. You know, you do have to risk things. Do you think uh, <clears throat> there's anything wrong with um, 
let's say you have a gallery and they they're just selling your work like hotcakes and they keep asking for more and more and more of these same paintings um and just for the sake of this topic uh, i bumped into a professor a show a few a couple of weeks back and we were having this conversation he said uh he said um the style he called it was tubular figurism <laughs> which i quite liked I and uh tubular figure figurish figuration and uh figurative figurism and um and it feels abstract actually but um and anyway uh, let's just say you're you're making these tubular figurish figurative paintings and they keep selling 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 but you're sick of making them and you if you're ready to move on would you be prepared to because i think i would be prepared to do this would you be prepared to just make them for the gallery for the public that's your bread and butter, but your real practice is, is actually on the side here. And if people want that, then great. If they don't, I don't care because I'm doing it for me. And that's, for me, that's, uh, I'm selfish. You know, I've, of course I want to sell my work and share it, mm-hmm. but I'm more interested in painting the paintings that I want to look at. That I want to explore. And if, if I, if someone wants, loves these red squares that I'm painting or whatever, yeah. And they keep selling, then then great because I'm making enough money to fuel my real practice, which is painting blue squares. <laughs> <laughs> I I respect that, but I know uh, without a doubt I would be unable to do it. And it's not uh, some sort of um, purity thing at all. It's stubbornness for me, like. I can't, I actively cannot make a painting that doesn't, um, that doesn't interest me. Like, I just can't do it. I've mm-hmm. had a few experiences where I've been aware of a reaction to a certain type of work that I've made and actively tried to recreate that work. Oh, all right. I can make a couple mm-hmm. grand this way. Easy, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Like the moment I am unattached to the core of the painting um i just it becomes so hard painting becomes more difficult than at any other point of painting um but i respect it if that is something i mean i think there are artists who keep the real work quiet while they proceed with their um with what sells with what's popular um but for me, that would be a no-go. I also mm-hmm. think there's a, a tendency to, this is speculative because I, I don't have any evidence for it. But, you know, if if the red squares are really selling and you like the blue squares, but you keep doing it for five or ten years, don't you think you're going to start liking the red squares too? Like, don't you think one is just going to, I don't think praise... And all of that happens in a vacuum. I, I think that you can, once you start accepting that, that split, you might be in for, you know, believing in red squares by the end. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I, I'm not sure what else to say on the on the subject uh, on sure. that. Um, but I think branding is, as well as it, it, it's. I think it is 
an inevitable an inevitable part of what we're doing uh, and branding might just be uh maybe a kind of um i don't know a clumsy way of describing uh uh i don't know personality maybe like mm -hmm. like you know how you present yourself as a person as your branding as an artist people are buying into you and your your story as well apparently um as well as the style in which you paint as as you know my style is very i have a style for sure but it's very scattered and diverse mm -hmm. um and I, I feel lucky in that regard because i feel quite free to paint what i want to paint i I want to paint a minimalist abstract painting and one day and the next day I really want to paint this hyper real landscape of something. And for me that I, I feel like I'm cultivating the branding in which, which would allow that to work. Um, um, although it's certainly, I think it, it's certainly fucked with me a lot and still is. And, and I still, I still find it difficult to, uh, to get myself out there sometimes and I get my work out there or in a business wise or of course like I'm an emerging artist I'm young and mm -hmm. seeing you know my my heroes like Rothko who painted the same painting essentially every day and did it in such a uh with such integrity and I see it with such admiration it's, I think like, gosh, what's, is that, what's wrong with me, you know? Um, but it's, obviously it was a different time and there's artists today. Artists today are diverse in their concepts and their mediums and their branding and painting is one arm, you know, there's also sculpture, there's digital work, there's uh, performance video um so uh but yeah uh, and, and also we 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 we're in our 30s and we we grew up in in the in the midst of of again capitalism and advertisement uh we we grew up watching adverts and commercials yeah uh being consumed by that and we're so in it's so ingrained into us you know whether we like it or not um i'd be interested in trying to learn how to change it somehow or yeah or, or, I mean, move it a... forward uh improve upon it or something but. yeah I, I know what you're saying, and it's a huge topic that I hope to discuss more at length on this podcast sometime. I mean, why do we have to keep... What if we could build a, a different kind of infrastructure? You know, a paradigm shift for art makers today. Like, it's... You see it in so many uh, different industries. Like, why are we still doing it? this way versus a new way why do we still think that the rules that were set in place honestly not even by artists uh by art people uh, mm. 50 years ago still matter for us like it's i mean and it's it's changing i mean i think 
Instagram has changed is, I mean, that's hugely about branding, but I think it's uh, democratizing art a lot hmm. um, in some way. Uh, and then also there's other, there's a, there's a scheme in New York now, and I think in Ireland too, where they've started giving uh, grants to artists thousand dollars per month just to work as an artist um and that's incredible uh and i mean they should that the the people are starting to think that we should pay artists to be artists um in a sort of socialistic kind of uh, way and you know like we pay nurses and doctors uh, their artists are an important part of society they always have been they hopefully always will be but that's what i'm talking about then i'm suggesting maybe that again longer conversation is instagram really democratizing yeah. uh, it it has that potential but it also is pretty excellent and for uh at keeping and um allowing the status quo what happens if artists, if if we do start paying artists, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is it if something like that were to happen on a big scale? I just think it could be such an amazing shift for the future of art, for contemporary art. You know, because it's not. I don't want to soapbox it, but there are a lot of problems with the art market today and how yeah. emerging artists fit into it and yeah. who is priority and who is looked out for and who is respected. Um, there's a lot of problems in there that I don't know. I hope, I hope are going to get addressed as more young people become artists and say, wait, what? No, we're not doing any of this. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe our generation too old for it, but maybe the next one will be uh, mm. a bit more rebellious. So, Tom, this next question I got for you, it's a pretty popular one. Multiple people have submitted it. And honestly, I probably get asked it a fair amount just in person. The question is, how do you know when to do an M.A.? Assuming yeah. you've done the whole undergrad thing um, and you're home free and you're making your own art. I made a decision and I know when and I know why to go back and get my master's. Um, and as you and I met while we were getting our master's, you made the same decision. What can you what can you share about that decision? How did you know it was time to get your master's? Yeah, um, yeah, I. I I've been asked that question before as well many times by younger artists and um, who are thinking about doing an MA. And obviously, it depends on the individual. Um, there's no one rule. But I think um, that when I graduated from my BA, um, my undergraduate in London, mm -hmm. the uh, the head of year, she called a uh, a year meeting of everybody. It was a small course, probably about 50 of us to the end of the year or 30 even. Um, and, um, and she, she was very adamant to advise the whole year, take at least one year out 
between you do a BA and your MA at least mm-hmm. one year. And I thought that was brilliant advice. Um, and, uh, and mostly because you're just so young after you've done your BA. Most, most people are between the ages of, what, what is it, 18 to, to 21. Um, and depending on where you are in the world, if you're over here, to be that age and decide that you want to take on a hundred grand debt, I think mm-hmm. is incredibly irresponsible. And I know that it's the done thing mostly is you go and do your BA and then you do, go and do your MA and then you're 25 or something and you've got all this debt and, you, and you, suddenly you're released into the world floundering and, unless you're lucky. But mm-hmm. so many people it's floundering and, and I just think, I don't know how some of my friends are functioning living here in New York with, with paying the high rent and living costs and then paying the student debt on the top of that yeah, and trying to keep up a practice. It's, uh, it's just like, it, it must be so it's crippling to some people. It's, it's just really, really hard. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I took about, um, I guess it was, uh, when did I, I graduated, uh, goldsmiths in 2011 and then it was 2015 we started we started the new 15. york academy mm-hmm. of Art. um so uh, what's that four years and those four years were so key in for me to learn what the world is i wasn't in education i had a job and i had a studio practice and i you know i had shows and i had some sales and i would to go do a residency here and there and it was great and then it was the it was a residency i had a long residency that was about six months and that's when i remembered oh this is quite nice making art full-time and mm-hmm. um i and i but, I but i'm still floundering i'm still young and i'm still not sure is this my hobby or is this my life uh, you know do i want to make a living out of this and i'm feeling like I need to answer some questions and develop some things, you know? Um, so started looking into doing an MA and found the school that we went to and liked the program and applied and, and got in. And, and I'm so happy that I spent those four years out because it gave me the, I think it gave me and probably you as well, the foresight to see how, how lucky you are to go and do an MA and have pretty well two years to just make art full time. For sure. Explore all those ideas without the burden of having to live, having to earn money mm-hmm. um, and pay the rent. And of, co- of course you have to pay the rent, but you have other, you know, if you have your loans or you have whatever. Um, and um, <clears throat> uh, it also, it, it's hard doing an MA is hard, but it, when, when you when you have a job and then you paint after your work, that is infinitely harder mm-hmm. than doing an MA. Doing an MA is easy. It is so easy and it, and it's got to be so fun as well. Um, so, uh, that's my spiel on that, I suppose. And I, I, I'd take Susan Kelly was her name. I'd take her advice at, at least one year out, um, grow up a bit, get a job, learn what it's like to 
not be in the safe cocoon of education. And then if you feel you're ready, go and do an MA. Some people don't don't become, they, they realize that they don't need it or they're not, they don't ever feel like they're ready. And that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I suppose. Uh, and as you say, like, art is a, it's a, lifelong practice so why do you need to do this so early it's quite and it's it's a very um it's just such a privilege to have that time and be surrounded by other contemporaries who are doing the same thing shitting out your brains every day talking to professors and trying different techniques and without having to worry about going to work or you know feeding the, the kids or um, uh, you know, um, selling even, you don't have to worry about that. You can just make, make right. an experiment. Yeah. No, listen, I, I agree entirely. I think you make a really good point about not just the year off, but it's not just the growing up you have to do. It's, you know, about your art making, which is how I am going to respond to it. It's, I mean, that's a massive thing to be living under debt. It's hard enough, as we've discussed, to be an artist today and to and the difficulties inherent in just being a creative, you know, whether you have part-time or full-time jobs that you fit in the corners. Um, but, you know, unless you're very, very lucky, a master's is a, is a huge um, weight that you choose to place on your shoulders and the idea of doing that at a point when it's not going to benefit you to the extent that it could if you had waited or to do that before you understand what it's going to be like to uh, have that amount of debt those are things to be avoided at all costs so i agree um waiting is always imperative um when it comes to grad school and if you find a moment when you're ready, then go. If you don't find that moment, there is no problem not going to grad school. Like, I can't hit that hard enough. Once again, we do not have to persist on a structure that was put in place for one reason. 100%. And is still there. If it works, if it, if it, is what is needed, as I found also, I think, what, I graduated in 2009, uh, so I took a few more years um, before going back to grad school in 2015. There was a moment for me when I felt I needed grad school. I needed a push. I needed, I mean, I think how I articulated it at the time was I didn't know where to take my art. You know, it had it had become something a little amorphous and something I was losing direction a bit. I think it was also due to not having enough eyes on my work, you know, not having enough artists to be in conversation with. Social reasons are reasons for graduate school, too. It's not just time to make your work, although that is that is indispensable but it's also the community um 
the competition, you know, those are, those are good things to, to motivate. But yeah, my response would be take your time and not to feel that grad school is a necessity and to go in with a voice. I think that's important too. Um, to, to enter into grad school with a type of work that you feel confident about, even if it has its problems like mine did. And with the openness, like if you can hit this Goldilocks zone just right, um, to be, to have investigated art making enough that you have a voice, but not so much that you're stuck in your ways. Because I think that's another risk that a lot of people take on when they go to grad school is if they're, if you're too stubborn, then you're not going to get what you should from grad school. Like if you, if your voice is too loud, then you're not going to hear what everyone else is saying. And you don't have to listen to it all, of course, rather you should listen to it, but you only have to take in what you want. And on the other side of grad school is just your voice again. Um, but I think we both know that if you go to grad school and you don't take those chances, if you don't risk, if you don't listen to other perspectives, why are you There's in no grad point school? in being there. Yeah. Right, right. So. Huh. Yeah. All right, Tom. Thank you for answering so many brilliant answers. Wait. No, you answered questions. You didn't answer answers. Thank you for your brilliant <laughs> responses to my questions. Let's move on to part two. Part two is Studio Notes. Insert really good song here. Studio Notes. Studio Notes. Studio Notes. We got Studio Notes. Um, studio Notes is a section of the podcast where we... Um, share something that's happened in our studio recently, a problem, a discovery, um, good or bad. Tom, you got any studio notes you want to share? Yeah. Um, so, well, I guess I'll just briefly explain the story of the last sort of, it's been about six months or so. Um, obviously my, my, my life's been disrupted the last six months. I've not been in the, in the studio. Hmm. Um, and that's a thing in itself, which it is can be uh, uh, disruptive, obviously, um, and saddening, but also it can be very valuable to take that break, um, even the unintended break yeah. um, of reflection. Um, and the space away from the studio um, to sort of digest life and what you were doing, what you want to do. That has been really valuable for me. Uh, um, and, and it's been, it's, it's given me, uh, I feel so, I don't know. I feel like, a like I'm ready to explode with, with creativity. I've got mm. so much right. and I'm so excited. It's going to be f- soon. I'm going to get back into the studio, into my studio and, and paint 
and express myself and explore and i'm and i'm bursting with like you really 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 need to go pee really need to go pee and that release is just going to be oh i can't it's going to be unfathomable um that being said the studio is always kind of with you it's always kind of with me i've always got a sketchbook with me i'm always mm -hmm. thinking reading watching being inspired um especially sketching you know and and i've and i've almost filled up a couple of sketchbooks in the last six months and um and that's just ammunition you know for, of course for later but um but six months ago i certainly i i feel like part of my practice is i'm i'm constantly having breakthroughs like oh this is this is it you know <laughs> and i think that's going to be me for the rest of my life pretty much constantly trying to push and and push painting and push art making to be as unique as possible for mm -hmm. me and for the world um and um and to be as honest as possible and so um my my practice has always been very a mixture of being very ephemeral process based just paint paint on canvas see what happens um or exploring this composition or this color balance versus uh photo realistic paintings of a subject that inspires me like astronomy antiquities right. and trying to link all those things together and i feel like feel like um over the last few years or so i've been i i've been um kind of trapped in a in a uh like a hamster's wheel running over these things and not not fully being not being as creative as i can be as an artist mm -hmm. not using my imagination to its fullest um and and I and I started looking over my work, and and I, and of course I find value in the abstraction, but goddamn, it's so easy to make a shit abstract painting, <laughs> um, and the photorealism too. I love this work dearly, but there was always something missing, and I and I've found that it's in my sketchbooks, that in which I just doodle without mm -hmm. thinking, um, and so I took the abstraction and i took the photo reel the techniques from these two practices and mm -hmm. looked at my sketchbooks and i've managed to move these sketches onto the painting and it's just so fulfilling it's saying exactly what i want to say how i want and, and how i want to say it um and the so that I, I dipped my toe into that ocean just before my life got turned upside down. Right. And so I'm just like absolutely bubbling with, oh gosh, this, this is going to be so exciting. These, this I think 10 paintings. Uh, um, no, I know those, those notebooks that you're talking about. Uh, I've seen uh, the kind of stuff that you do when it comes to, sketches scribbling in notebooks i mean i think you're right i think you got nothing but ammo in those books now and and i'm really glad you shared all that because um i know from experience that artists it's a pretty scary thing when you can't 
work for a period of time, whether it's your own choice, like your own inability yeah. to like get in the studio or life conspires to keep you out of the studio. Those can be moments that are not, it's basically like a continued state of uh, discomfort for artists. Yeah. Um, so I think in there, there's a lot of good tips, you know, the studio is with you. That's a, I think a beautiful way of putting it. Um, and yeah, that kind of explosion of art. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, I'll answer just very quickly. Uh, for me, studio notes, um, this is very minor, but yesterday I was in the studio and I was just off yesterday in general. Uh, I forced myself to go into the studio, but I, I could feel that it might not go my way. And I got in there and ate lunch early and, um, read for a little while, kind of, it, you've probably been in this situation where it's, you're kind of wondering how long you're going to last before you walk out the door. You know, you're, yeah. you're looking at the paintings and you're just like, you know, it's not going to happen today. And what I did was, which I'm really proud of, and it's very basic, but prep day, you know, on days like that, when you know, what's not going to happen. It's very easy for us to get kind of demoralized, like us artists to get demoralized and be like, fuck, it's not happening today. Like, what a waste. Like, it's my studio day. And maybe go home early or maybe just ignore the situation. Point is, prep days are glorious. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's so it's kind of like procrastinating, but you are actually making use of your time, right? Like you are, uh, yesterday I stretched a giant ass canvas. Like you use that time and you, you leave the studio with a feeling of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that's important. It was important for me um, mm -hmm. because it reversed this looming threat of a wasted studio day. I, I call it constructive procrastination. I love it. That's exactly what it is. For yeah, sure. the same. Oh, I need to update this thing on my website, or I need to, you know, wrap up this painting properly and reorganize this. Uh, yeah, stretch this canvas. Yeah, um, clean up this corner. You know. <laughs> yeah. Constructive procrastination. Yeah. And it's kind of nice, uh, mindless, mindless activity in the studio. Um, yeah. It's uh, or or researching is also, and that's so good for the for un, un, unclogging the the block that you know I'm, I'm not going to paint so i'm going to sit and read or you know research this this subject that i'm interested in all right so moving on the final question, the final question, the final question is now, it's the final question. Tom Levy, we have one final question for you today, and here's the question. What's one piece of advice you wish you'd learned as a younger artist? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, um, gosh, I think uh, 
it sounds very sort of whimsical and I think I'm in a whimsical or uh, what's the word, Emo- emotional, whimsical kind of mindset. But I think uh, it's so important for it to be fun and enjoyable. And hmm. sometimes that can, that can, um, that can leave sometimes when it becomes okay. a, uh, not a chore, but almost an addiction. I just have to do this and I start saying no to things. Yeah. And, um, or yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think just remembering that it was, it was fun. You did it when you were an eight year old, it was fun. You just did it for fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. I'll, I'll probably think of more advice later on, um, that might be more constructive for younger artists but yeah i think that um i'll I'll pop in i'll sneak in another piece of advice um which would be um just just be uh be yourself and and be keep 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 a good network of people around you uh keep in touch with people as best you can and and be uh be sociable you know if you can be Sure. Uh, because uh, when when uh, and yeah, uh, people um, when you need them, if if you really need people at any time, they they can they can come through, and it's that's something I've learned in the last few years, especially the last few months, is keeping people close to you and reaching out whenever you need help. Don't ever be afraid to ask. Uh, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. My grandma always told me that. If you don't ask, you don't get. So have fun and and do that. <laughs> what 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 about you? What would you say? Um, I wish someone had told me that art making is not a zero sum game. Um, it's important to know that it's competitive and that. It will always be competitive, but this idea that I think it's boiled into your head through school and uh, through a lot of walks of an artist's life is if an artist succeeds, it means you're failing. And if you're succeeding, it means someone else is failing. I think that Mm. is, that's really hard to avoid that line of thinking and I wish someone had helped me see through it earlier because I don't think that's that's how art works. It might be aspects of how the industry works right now, but it is not how art making works. Um, yeah. And if we could just hold each other up, uh, still be competitive, still try to outdo yeah. everyone, still try and... Yeah make it to every extent that we want to, but keep everyone held up at the same time and know that that is not contradictory to success, personal success in the art world. Yeah. That's, that's what I wish someone had told me. Um, just would have saved me a lot of anxiety and, um, I don't know, grief. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
Tom, thank you so much for joining oh, me. Oh, man. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I really hope that you consider coming back to join us again. Uh, I've got Definitely. piles more questions for you. Yeah, same. I've got questions for you as well. <laughs> All right. We turn the tables then. Is there anything, Tom, you would like to share? How can people find you if they want to check out your work? You got a website or anything? Yeah, um, I guess uh, com is my website. Um, Great. That's just L-E-V-Y, right? Yep, yeah, L-E-V-Y, Tom Levy Art. Um, I'm, I'm taking a break from Instagram the last year, um, but I'll jump back in at some point. Um, maybe for the next show, I'll have an Instagram page. Great. <laughs> cool, Tom. Well, I thank you. Art Matters thanks you. Uh, have a lovely day. Yeah, thanks, Isaac. You too. Love you loads. That's all for now. A big thanks to Tom Levy for joining us this week in Art Matters. To find more information on his work, check the episode description or go to TomLevyArt.com. You can find my work at IsaacMann.com. That's two A's and two N's. Or on Instagram at Isaac.Mann. Submit your art questions to Art Matters today by emailing us at ArtMattersPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. That's the end of the podcast Art Matters is over check it out next week it'll be back on that's the end that's the end next week we'll have a new episode make sure you like and subscribe